Thank you for preparing our hearts for his word. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Father in heaven, as we come to your word now, Father, may we have at the top of our minds, Lord, this morning, deep in our heart, the praise for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the great gift you gave through him, that we might continually live in such a way that we are shouting to the world, Hallelujah, what a Savior. And now, once again, speak through thy living word, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles this morning, we're continuing our series in the First John, the letter to the churches. First John, and we're in chapter 2. And we're going to look at three verses, verses 15, 16, and 17. Now this uh, message this morning, and what the passage we're looking at, is not a feel-good message. Sometimes, you know, we're looking forward to coming to church Sunday morning, and uh, can't wait for that, uh, you know, come and, and be blessed and, and worship the Lord, and then come away feeling good. But sometimes uh, when we come to God's Word, He gives us warnings and instruction that may prick our conscience as the Holy Spirit works on our hearts. So understand that, that you might leave here maybe feeling convicted in some way as the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart in a certain area of your life. But John is going to deal here with an issue that the early church dealt with. They've been, they were struggling with, and the church has been struggling with it ever since. And we will struggle with it until Jesus returns. How many remember the song, Welcome to My World? Anybody remember that song? Everybody over 60. Yeah, pretty much. That's it. Uh, it goes, goes something like, Welcome to my world. Won't you come on in? Miracles, I guess, still happen now and then. Step inside my heart. Leave your cares behind. Welcome to my world, built with you in mind. Thank you very much. No, I just, <laughs> sorry. Um, but I, th those words came to my mind. And uh, because it, it fits here, you listen to those words. And basically, that is what the, our enemy, the enemy of our souls, Satan, basically is singing to the believer, has been singing to the church since the church began. Basically, he's enticing us, saying, welcome to my world. Won't you come on in? He invites us to come in and take part of his world, his world. And uh, we, this is what John is now going to speak about, beginning in verse 15. Let's read verse 15 together. 1 John 2, 15. John writes, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world... 
The love of the Father is not in him. The love of the Father is not in him. Now, the Apostle Paul also, in his writings, warned the church about the world. And we'll, we'll, we will uh, kind of define what that word world means in just a moment. But Romans 12, verse 2. Do you remember what Paul said? And be not conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the Apostle Paul knew that what Satan offers here to us, what's all around us, and, and, and the world we live in, it's so enticing, and it'll make us feel good, but it's but it goes outside the will of God because uh, it it has it does not have the values that that God places on things. The word world here um, now the world the word world in the Greek is here is cosmos. Okay, and basically there are three uh, meanings of the word cosmos. This word world. Uh, first, you have, of course, the planet. So when we talk about the world, we could be talking about, um, you know, the, 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 the planet itself, the physical world that we li live in. And so it's used that way in the scriptures. Secondly, the word world is used of the world of humanity, the world of people. Anybody remember a verse where uh, it would be used in that sense? The world of people. Yes, very good. You put your thinking caps on this morning. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Now, and, and that refers to the world, the people, the, the, his creation, the souls that he created. And so if you read that and you said, for God so loved the world, and then we would read what John's saying, do not love the world. If someone didn't understand the Greek meanings, they, they would go, well, that doesn't make sense. That's a contradiction in the Bible. God loves the world, but we're not supposed to love the world. But here, the, uh, when this uh, word is used here, this is talking about the world system that is controlled by Satan. It's the invisible spiritual system opposed to God and to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the world system that is Satan's domain. And just uh, here while we're in 1 John, go to chapter 5. We'll see this a little later in our study down the road. But 1 John 5, go to chapter 5, verse 19. Verse 5, 19, since we're here. Look what John writes near the end of his letter. Verse 19, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So now this is talking about the, the people, when it says the whole, he's using the word world here, um, 
but it's but it's talking also about the the system that Satan is the one, right? The this world lies in his power. Since the fall of Adam, when Satan was able to tempt Adam and Eve to sin and sin passed upon all men, suddenly the curse came upon the world. Basically, Satan became uh, uh, the king of this world. John 12, 31, Jesus called Satan the prince of this world. The prince of this world. And we can find different scriptures that point this out. This is Satan's, you know, we, we love to sing the song, This is My Father's World, that, that wonderful hymn. And it is. Overall, in sovereign control, is God who created the world. But because of sin, Satan has been allowed to reign and rule over the hearts of men here, the, the, the unbeliever. Uh, and so it, we see that, that uh, the Lord Jesus uh, himself is concerned about his disciples and concerned about us and how the world will influence us. The world, the, the, the systems of the world, the value systems of the world, and, and what they, they believe is, you know, is what we should strive after. And uh, I want you to turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, John 17. Gospel of John, chapter 17. This is the high priestly prayer, if you recall, the high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to pick it up at, at verse 6. Pick it up at verse 6. So Jesus is in the upper room and he's praying now to his heavenly father. If, if there is a, a passage of scripture that you want to s spend your time uh, in the word and uh, meditating upon the word and spending quiet time with the Lord, I would recommend chapter 17. Go to this chapter. It has so much in it and, it's, and it speaks right to our hearts. But the Lord Jesus is praying for his disciples there, but he's also praying for his, the future disciples, you and I, those who would come to believe in him. So follow along, verse 6. Jesus said, I manifested thy name, speaking to his heavenly father, to the men whom thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest, me, gavest them to me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have come to know that everything thou hast given me is from thee. For the words which thou gavest me I have given to them, and they received them, and truly understood that I came forth from thee, and they believed that thou didst send me. Verse 9. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world. There's that world. The world of unbelief. The world uh, with the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the unsaved. And those who, who have rejected God. Rejected his truth. I don't ask on behalf of the world. But of those whom thou hast given me for they are thine and all things that are mine are thine and thine are mine and I have been glorified in them 
and I am no more in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep them in my name. What is Jesus praying about? He's praying for his disciples who are, have to remain. Jesus is leaving this world, but he is in going back to the Father, but his disciples m- must remain. And Jesus knows what, what uh, will be uh, waiting for them uh, and, and how the enemy, Satan, is going to use the world uh, to draw them out with temptation, to draw them away, to doubt God. And so he prays for them. He says, keep them in thy name, which thou hast given me, and that they may be one, even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in my name, which thou hast given me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, that the scripture may be fulfilled. That's speaking of Judas, of course. But now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world, what? Has hated them. There's that world. That, that's the world, the ungodly. And Satan is behind it all. The world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And look, look at verse 15. I do not ask thee to take them out of the world. Jesus isn't, isn't praying, Lord, take them home. Don't let them face temptation. Don't let them face what, the enemy here. I don't ask thee to take them out of the world, but to keep them from who? The evil one. Jesus is praying to his father. Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I know what they're going to face while they stay in the world. What my prayer is, Father, is that you will keep them from Satan. You'll keep them from his power and from the, 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 test, the, the temptations of the world that will entice and work on his, his disciples. Uh, so I want you to see this, that Jesus prayed, and later on it says, I don't just pray for them, but I pray for the ones that yet will believe on me, which speaks of all of us. Jesus was concerned about his disciples and how the world and the evil one would influence, influence them. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4 with me. Let's go over to 2 Timothy. We have an example. An example here that... <clears throat> That Paul, 2 Timothy 4.10, the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy as he closes his letter, and let's look at verse 10. He writes concerning a man named Demas. Paul writes, for Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. And gone to Thessalonica. There it is right there. In the middle of all this, 
you know, Paul, writing this letter, is in a Roman prison, right? And some of the believers, uh, if you were associated with the Apostle Paul at this point, you very well could be arrested and thrown into prison. If you hung around him, you came to visit him in the jail. And with sadness, Paul tells Timothy, you know, would you come to me? He, look at verse 9. Make every effort to come to me soon, he told Timothy. But he was hoping that Demas would come to him. But then he says he wants Timothy to come because Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. The world got a hold of this believer. Demas was a believer in Christ. But the world meant too much to him. Notice he says he loved the world. He loved the world. And this is exactly what this is exactly what John is talking about in chapter 2. And this can be said of so many of us who can be pulled away so easily by what the world will offer us that our affections for Christ and for our Lord can suddenly shift and turn to the things that are so pleasurable in this life. And it's so easy. If I'm not careful, I can slip right into that and suddenly I'm, I'm loving the things uh, in this world and I'm going after the things of this world that, are, that I've made more important than my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Go back with me now, if you would, to First John again, chapter 2. And if we go back here, we see that, that here John, when he, he's, he's saying, do not love the world nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This again is... Understand that word world, because that's the most important thing. It's the value system that Satan has placed on things in this world. Um, I read a, a story of some teenagers that broke into a, a store, like a Boscov's kind of a store at night. Now, they were only doing this as a prank, okay? So, hey, teenagers on the front row. By the way... Don't you just love these guys up front here? Look at this. Look at these kids and teenagers on the front row. Um, this is a special section right there. I mean, what church, where do you find, go to a church and find the, the teens in the front row? They're usually at the back row. So thank you guys for sitting up so close. Bless you. So, so I, here's a, I want to tell you this story about these teenagers had this idea to break into a store. Okay? And... They weren't there to steal anything. But what they did is they broke in at night and they switched all the price tags around. That's all. Just decided to switch the price tags around. And then they snuck out of the store and left. So the next morning they opened the store. People came in to shop. 
Oh, what a nice tie here. A tie, $400. You know, what? And then, and then someone over here goes to a microwave. Microwave, $10. Hey, I'll take this. And on and on it went. All of a sudden, there's a, uh, you know, a pair of socks for $250. You know, and then there's a suit for $8.95. I mean, and it just sent everybody crazy. What happened? The real value of those things didn't change. Just the price tag. And that's exactly... By the way, so don't try this, guys, just so you know. I'm not trying to give you ideas. Um, but, but Satan does this very thing. What he does is he has taken God's price tags and he's changed them. And he switched them on the things of the world. So that when you look at something, Satan makes something that God says is not valuable Satan says, oh, yes, it is. Yes, you're, you're going to love this. It's worth it. And Satan puts the higher price tags on the things that, that cause heartache and grief to our Heavenly Father if we, if we allow the world, if we take the value system of the world and make it our value system in our daily life. You know, it could, could be refer to all kinds of things, but look at the, ne the next verse, verse 16. He then goes on, now he's going to explain what is, uh, uh, verse 15, what is the world and what is in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. But is from the world. So John basically breaks it down into three categories. The world. And, and it's what it can do to us. And where Satan will try and sneak into our life. And he'll, and he'll try and entice our old nature. We still have that old nature in there that, that wants to run things. I have a new nature in Christ when I was born again and accepted into the family of God. But I have the old nature that still wants to live the old way. And have you ever found that, that all of a sudden you feel that old, that tug suddenly uh, for things that you used to like before you became a Christian. And, and that word lust here. Now, here in the uh, New American Standard, it's the word is translated lust. For the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. That word lust is also translated, and perhaps you have it in your translation if it's different, cravings or desires. Basically, that's what the word here, lust, means. It means desires and cravings. Now, the lust of the flesh is referring to what the body desires, what my flesh desires. Okay, so what the, my fleshly passion desires that my body craves, you know, in, in a physical way. 
that he's he's saying this is a, a warning to you church he's saying be, watch out for the 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 desires of the flesh the things that this body wants that that I want I want to satisfy my flesh I want to satisfy you know my cravings and I, I'll do anything to do that and what happens is now God gave us natural uh, desires so it's not talking about those natural desires but what Satan has done he's taken those desires and and then he's saying oh but the price tag on this is is you know it, it's more valuable if if you really indulge in it just let yourself go just do it like the world says just do it and sometimes and that's what the world wants us to do just go ahead what's what's the problem and we partake in something that we know in our spirit is is not right that we are we are going into something in the way of temptation that the lord has has specifically stated in his word not to to be to be uh be part of but it generally is talking about uh, anything craved excessively or inappropriately whether it be from food or sexual uh impurity this is the context then he goes on and he says the lust of life is part of the world uh, i'm sorry the lust of the eyes is part of the world lust of the eyes what does this have to uh do with the world what is the meaning of lust of the eyes the desire of the eyes basically he's referring now to greed and covetousness that can set into my heart and my life if i'm not careful and it's talking about the things that i see the things around me and things that i may desire and the thing my eyes and i i want that and i want more of it and i want what i don't have there's that becomes sin in my life and i've allowed myself when 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 i i have that that freedom i let allow myself to look at things and say and then, then set my heart on them then i'm loving the world and not loving the father the love of the father isn't in me i'm a believer but my love for god has been replaced with my love for the things of this world and then the third and final temptation here there at the end of verse 16 is he says and the boastful pride of life is not from the father but is from the world this boastful pride of life talks about the things that I already have and talks about my my mindset and my attitude and whether it uh, if, if I have pride in my heart in such a way that I am proud of what I've accomplished in life I'm proud of the things I have and I like to show it off and all I care about is showing you know is showing people man look what I've done basically look what i've done and that is when he talks about the boastful pride of life he's talking about that pride that can sit into the believer's heart the world offers that this is exactly that was certainly the the sin that caused satan to fall we see pride throughout the scriptures but i want quickly to turn to genesis 3. go to genesis 3 with me verse 1 in the beginning here 
As John explained what is, is in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, we see it actually in the first sin. We see it when Satan comes to Eve as a serpent. Verse 1, Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden, yes, we can eat. But the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said, You shall not eat of it or touch it, lest you die. And now Satan gets his, his, his uh, deception going. In verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. No, he says, For God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Wow, Eve suddenly hears that and goes, really? She's falling for it. He's offering her the world. What he's offering is disobedience. But he's making it all sound so good. And so look at this. In verse 6, we see the three aspects uh, of temptation in the world that John talked about. Verse 6, when the woman saw the tree was good for food, saw the tree was good for food or delight to her eyes, this appealed to the lust of the eyes. Notice that? It looked good. What is it in life that looks good to you? And you go, yeah, I really, really want that. And I'll do anything to get it. Because the world is, is, is appealing to our eyes and our senses. And it, it's so easy for even the elderly saints. It doesn't matter what age we are. The temptation till we get to heaven, we can be tempted by these things. And things that look so good and we want it to be a part of our life. So here's the first one, lust of, the, uh, of the, the, the eyes, right? And then it says there it was good for food. It was a delight to the eyes. It was a delight to the eyes. We have both the lust of the flesh, the, the food, what does that do? makes the body feel good. It, it takes care of the, the needs of my body. So there's the lust of the flesh that it's good for food. But then my lust of the eyes, it was a delight to the eyes. It looked so good. And then we come to the final one, the boastful pride of life. And then we read, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. There it is, the boastful pride of life. And therefore she took from the fruit and ate it. 
There's the third one. She, she was thinking about what Satan said. Man, if, if I take of that, I'm going to be like God. I'm going to be wise. Man, would I like to be, have that kind of wisdom so I know good from evil. And, and she fell for it. And pride rose up in her heart. And that's the very sin that caused Satan to fall. So we see it here. And you can go out, go throughout the scriptures and you can find um, uh, different ones that fell, like Samson and others who fell for these things. And, and John is basically saying, watch where your affections are, Christian. Keep your eyes on what, what, what you're really falling in love with. Right now, uh, because of time, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 the hall, we call this the Hall of Faith chapter. Hebrews 11, verse 24. The writer speaks now of Moses. So here is an individual in Scripture that, that overcame the temptation of the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It was Moses. In verse 24, by faith, when he had grown up, Moses had grown up, by faith, when Moses had grown up, what did he do? He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Rather, rather choosing to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he then left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him, God, who is invisible. Do you see what Moses had? Basically, he could have it all. Pharaoh's son. He could live in luxury the rest of his days. He could, you know, he was second to Pharaoh. No, what did he do? He loved the Lord God and he loved God's people. And he was looking to the future. And because of his love for God, seeing him who is invisible, he forsook those, the, those desires that, he, that, that were right in front of him. He didn't fulfill those desires. But what he did... He was sold out to God. He was sold out to God and, and actually was able to leave it all behind that he might follow the Lord with all his heart. We could go on and on. We've run out of time this morning. But Revelation 3, verse 4, when Jesus was talking to the churches, Jesus is writing to the, he is speaking to the churches as John writes it down. And he speaks to the church in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus. And do you, do you remember, I mean, Ephesus did wonderful things. It was a great church. You know, it was on fire for the Lord. It, it, it fought against, uh, you know, false doctrine. It held true to the sound doctrine of God's word. But then Jesus said, I have this against you do you remember what it is you have left your what 
You've left your first love. There are times I've done that. Can you recall a time that you suddenly realize, Lord, I'm loving something else more than I love you. Lord Jesus, I've, I've loved this, these things of the world, more than I've loved you, and I've given myself to those things of the world that have, have, have just sucked me in and I've allowed my flesh to, to rule, and suddenly I have left my first love. Jesus is saying, I'm waiting with open arms, dear child. Come back to me. Come back to your first love. Would that be our prayer this week? And ask God to show us those areas in our life where we have allowed our heart to fall in love with the things that Satan offers in this world. And his value system, things that the world values, and we have put them as priorities in our life, in my life. May we confess that sin and, and, and once again turn our eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light his glory and grace. Let's pray together. As we bow this morning before the Lord, dear Christian, perhaps the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. And there's one of these temptations has, has been plaguing you. And perhaps you have seen your love drift away from the Lord towards something else. Through the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, or the boastful pride of life. Would you ask the Lord to reveal it to you? And once you recognize it, confess that as sin. Turn to the Lord right now and say, Lord, forgive me. I want to turn my affection back upon you that you might be first in my life. Father, help me to overcome. And he will do that. Dear Christian, he ha you have the power, the Holy Spirit living inside you to help you to overcome the temptations of this world that you might have victory. It's guaranteed. But we must surrender ourselves to God's will and loving him more than anything else. If you're here without Christ this morning and never accepted him by faith, and you are in the world, and you're part of the world, and that's all you know. But Jesus came to take you out of the world and to set you apart into God's family and forgive you of all your sin and to cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. That could happen right now. Jesus paid it all on the cross for you, died for your sins. If you would but accept him by faith now into your life, he will forgive you and cleanse you and make you his child. Do you want that to take place? If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, would you do it now? Pray a simple prayer like this with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin.
I believe you died on that cross for me and took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart and wash my sins away. I receive you today as my very own Savior. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead, Lord Jesus. With heads still bowed, if you gave your heart to Christ, you are now a child of God. You've been forgiven your sins. You've been robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We welcome you to his family. Heavenly Father, thank you for speaking once again. Father, may we allow the Holy Spirit to have his way in our hearts, that we might walk in the Spirit, so that we might not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Take these commitments this morning, Father. And may they be commitments, Lord, that are sure that we will uh, stay fast to. That, Lord, we might please thee in the way we live, the way we think, the way we talk. Thank you, Lord, once again, for so great a salvation and giving us the power over the enemy. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.